It's time for the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, colors, and persuasions, my friends and families and countrymen, we have arrived, yes, finally at episode one, Mother F and 100. Said it wouldn't last. Yes, yes. So take that, everybody, all you naysayers out there. We did it, and I guess this is it. We're done. <laughs> this is our final episode. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Come back. Yeah, come you're back. Come back. Off already. We're not kidding. Well, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, my name is Keith Giles. I am uh, one of your co hosts. I am the author of the Jesus Un series, uh, most recently, book number six on the Jesus Un series Jesus Unforsaken, Substituting Divine Wrath with Unrelenting Love, uh, just recently released. And um, oh, by the way, April Foolishness, 99 cents. Go get them on Kindle. Uh, they're all available. You're going to love it. I get one for your friends and family. And um, so, hey, I am joined here from uh, uh, hosting this podcast, co-hosting this podcast with my wonderful and amazing friends, Matt, Derek, and Katie. Introduce yourselves, say hi, and let's get this party started. Hey, everyone. I'm Katie Valentine. I'm the author of Sex, Slaves, and Self-Control and episode 100. I'm really excited. I feel like this should bring on some kind of camp song, like a hundred bottles of beer on the wall or something, whatever is a sanitized version for Christian camp. So I'll let you know what emerges as we, as we have our countdown here. Hey y'all, I'm Derek Day, the author of Deconstructing Religion, the author of the Love Minus Religion blog on Patheos and the host of the Forward Podcast. And I'm just happy to be here. Oh, and by the way, Keith Giles meant to say this is the motherfucking 100 episode. That's right. Thank you. Because I couldn't say that, but thank you. I knew you would but say that. I can't. I, I can, I'm here to help, man. Thank you. And I'm Matthew DiStefano. I um I would say that I uh, that that remix is the dumbest thing I've ever created, but I've created some dumb shit. So um yeah, I am I am an author and, and, and include I, I, in addition to dabbling in stupid remixes. Um, Yes, I actually write, and I write for Patheos as well. And I'm excited to, I mean, 100. Who I don't, Keith, who who said we weren't going to make 100? I'd like to know. I, I think I, I think I did. <laughs> I think I was the one that said that. Oh, man, Giles. I, <laughs> I'm sure we all had this... those thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question for Keith and Matt. Is there an, have you all ever missed an episode at all? Have you been on all 100? Oh, no. Is there anything you had to miss because of illness or, you know, life? No, no, no. We, the only thing we've ever done is record in like some of the interviews. We can't, we can't all be there, but we've not never done an episode where everybody wasn't there. Somebody, if we couldn't all be there, we just haven't done it. That's, that's not entirely true. You were tied up during the oh. Katie and Derek episode. Damn, that's right. Oh, that's and I, was I, I don't remember if I was too. I, I, I Yes, you were there. Yeah, oh, wait a minute, were, wait a minute. It's true. No. So this is this is only my 99th episode. That's why it doesn't feel like yeah, 99. Okay, so this is my 100th episode. You, you guys <laughs> were, were bound up with duct tape and bungee cord. 
if yeah. I remember right. That's just the way I like it. So yeah, I, I'm not found and gagged. Oh, that's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like, I like it. Uh huh. Uh huh. So what? What, oh, what should we do for a hundredth episode? Should we? Should we do something special today? Uh, yeah, I think I think this is going to be a totally different episode, right? So. We won't do the typical things. We're not doing a hotline, believe it or not. This will be, we're making history here. First one we've done, no hotline, no text, no no calls, no voicemails. Um, and no heretic of the week, actually, right? So it's, we're just gonna, it's just us. But if, if, if there's one thing we hear from listeners, it's that you don't get enough of the four of us. That's right. right? You just right. don't hear us talk. We, we're just so unopinionated. You're dying to hear what we think about, what our opinions are. So yes. we thought we might give you a little taste of that just in case you're unclear about what we think and why. Right. Uh-huh. So we, we came up with some questions. We, we came up with some questions to ask each other. And we're going to just go around and ask each other some questions. And yes, reveal, unveil more of the mystery of who we are. Who are these co-hosts that you've been spending 100 episodes with? The mystique. Yes. The things that you, the burning questions that you have been wondering about us. So um, the first, uh, can I ask the first, I'll ask the first question. Please do. Uh, The first question is, if you could smack around, if you could smack around one theologian from the past, who would it be and why is it Augustine? Uh, that's kind of a leading question. I guess if it's not Augustine, why? Why isn't it Augustine? Because I would say, yeah, that's kind of my choice. But what do you guys think? Paul. <laughs> Paul. Go, wow. Go Paul Derek. Paul. <laughs> I why? Think Paul why? Is a but why? Why do you think Paul? Why you. would you say Paul? I want to say that it's because I believe that Paul hijacked the Jesus movement and reshaped it in his image. And I can I can explain why I think that, and it's very simple. Keith, you're an awesome teacher. You're an awesome author. And people quote you all the time. They do? Keith Giles said, why? Because you're an awesome teacher and an awesome author. Okay. Paul quoted Jesus exactly one time. Really? No, that's a good point. Exactly one time time listen my yeah. kids and 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 granted my kids are not all into me <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> not, either, actually. okay yeah. <laughs> but my kids quote me more than paul quoted his master and he never met him either right we know that like, no, Paul never met Jesus. no yeah. but but he he said that he got what he got by special revelation that he was caught up into the third heaven i don't know when i don't know for how long you know he was caught up. He was. He had a special revelation, mm. but there was no vetting of that. No, there was no Google, no background checks, no Equifax, no experience. <laughs> you know, nothing. Yeah. It was just like Paul said it, and he said it loudly, and he said it frequently, and he basically. Ooh, I'm about to get in trouble here. He cast the die for our man Joseph Goebbels. Damn. Boy, that's a you connected you connected some serious dots there. I did. That's a that's a two thousand year stretch almost. Nineteen hundred yep. year stretch. So so let me say though, I, I was having a I was thinking about this the other day though, and and uh, having a some not the Goebbels thing. But um but um <laughs> but I was thinking about the fact that Paul Paul does make a lot of claims, right? He was, he says things like, you know, Christ is all and is in all and in Christ um all the fullness of the Godhead 
dwelt in bodily form yeah. and all that. And so he makes uh, he makes Jesus, these things. And, Jesus never said. And, and well, not only that, it's just sort of like he just says it, and it's sort of like, well, well, how do you know that? Like he never says how he knows this. He never, and no one ever goes like you said. Uh, hey, Paul, where are you getting that from? Is there? I mean, there's no reference. There's no like, oh, in the Old Testament, see, this proves this other thing. He's not drawing any connections to anything in the past. He just makes these kind of sweeping statements. And I'm not saying they're not true. I'm just saying he just kind of invents them. And you just kind of, we all just kind of take it at face value that, well, Paul said it must be true. So what do you guys think about that? You know, there's a whole field of study dedicated to this. Yeah. What's it called? (laughs) Where Paul gets what he gets from, like. Judaism, you know, like there's a whole field called New Perspectives on Paul that actually does study like where the, not the origins of Paul's ideas, but the backgrounds, you know, that feed into Paul. So um, I'm someone who can definitely respect Derek's dislike and someone who actually, um, I actually love the Paul story um, and I can love the story without agreeing with everything, but uh, I agree with all of Pauline theology. Because here's the thing, I I like Paul theology, actually. I mean, I, I really love like, Although technically it isn't really Paul, like Colossians and um, and Ephesians. Paul is pseudo Paul. Pseudo Paul, whoever the hell that guy was. But that guy's awesome. <laughs> so who are, I don't know. But here's the problem. Here's the problem even with that. I don't even know who that guy is, but that guy has a lot of great things to say that I think, I, I kind of think it's inspired, but then it's difficult to say why I think it's inspired because it's sort of still like, well, where did that come from? It just kind of seems like there's a Christology that emerges in the new testament that just kind of pops out and there it is and it's difficult to say kind of where it came from at least for me i mean like you said maybe i need to go into this field of study uh and look into that but i i just found it interesting all right so um uh derek's derek's gonna derek's gonna smack around paul i i would say i'll say tertullian because that guy said some oh, really yeah. fucked up shit so uh, yeah. if there's one yeah. guy i could smack around i i'm with you for example because because I, I can name some specific things he said i thought were pretty crappy but like, what do you think that he oh, said? The, it was the stuff. Bad? Of, oh, the stuff about like almost getting off on watching people writhe, writhe about in hell and the philosophers that he debated uh, suffering eternal torments for, for all, all time. And it's almost like he's, you know, having an orgasm as he writes this. That's the way that's the way it reads to me. Oh, fun fact. Tullian Trevigin was named after Tertullian. I don't know who that is. Because Tertullian <laughs> is actually his middle name. I don't know who that is. Who is that? You don't know who Tullian Trevigin is? No, is that like some rapper? Preacher. He's he's oh. the, no, he's he's, grand, he's Billy Graham's grandson. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I mean he's he's a big time preacher in his own right, and he's also a friend of mine. He's a personal friend of mine, so I, cool. I I'm not dis- speaking disparagingly of him, but that that's his name. Yeah, Tertullian. The things that I I didn't know about this until I was reading a book about. Um, about early the early church and, and and the feminine you know leaders and, and the women and things like that and uh, there's some horrific quotes from Tertullian about women that just uh, literally made me want to throw the book. Oh, yeah. I, I was like so pissed off, like damn it, what are you doing, man? Uh, just like how women are you know temptresses and agents of Satan and I was like, what the hell, man? It's horrible. So yeah, I would smack that guy. Do you have anybody, Katie? Who would you smack around? I'm having trouble answering this because, well, I'm having trouble answering it because the historian in me is just like, yes, but everyone builds on each other. And then we get to critique and then we go get to go back and look. And I'm glad I have all of these jerks writings to look back at. 
And so I don't want to, um, I wouldn't eliminate any of their writings, but who would I just get to smack around? Um, not a personal dislike, but there's the whole story about origin self-castrating oh. himself because of the Matthew 19, 12 verse. And so, you know, you know, y'all know me, I'm all sex positive. So I'm like, no, no, let's not mutilate ourselves um, because of sex ne- negativity. So that'll be my answer. I would go give him a, a lesson on embracing him, his whole self. Allegedly. Allegedly, right? Masturbation, good. Mutilation, bad. Yeah. It's probably like the only guy we know of in history who literally took that seriously and like um, plucked out his own testicles. Yeah. I don't know if he's the only one, but it's and it's it may be in a it may be an alleged story, but um, but let's let's start promoting sex positivity way back in the early centuries. That's that's why I would have a not a smack around conversation, a loving conversation. Yes, yeah, probably. There you go. Bring in the love, Katie. Bring in the love. Yes. All right. What's our next question? Shame doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Wait, you haven't answered. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Or Matt, did you? No, Matt, you said somebody. You said Tertullian. I said Tertullian. Uh, Okay, and I can't if I can't say Augustine. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I think we. I, I would agree with like Tertullian, Augustine. Uh, I did. I mention Eusebius. I think Eusebius, who was like Constantine's um, sort of uh, spiritual advisor. I think that guy, his press secretary. Yeah, kind of his press secretary. Yeah, he was kind of a he was kind of a wishy washy, uh, weak kneed kind of like yes man. And uh, that guy would smack around a little bit. I, f- I feel like he did. Because the thing is, I don't think he realized the damage he was doing um, centuries later, things that he had written about, that how it was taken and, and later on kind of used the wrong way. Um, or no, you know what? I'm sorry. Scratch that. Scratch all that. I, I, I just realized the one. The, the theologian I would smack around is John Calvin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, John Calvin, smacking is too good. I I would smooth kick him in the nuts. <laughs> I mean, I just keep it real in the hundred. Yeah. And 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 not only that, I would take a good running start. <laughs> you know, it it, w- it would be like going for that sixty-one yard field goal. All right. Since we started out on such a a, a loving foot, yeah. Um, should should we move on to the next the next question? Yeah. Let's go ahead. Yeah. We spent about fifteen minutes talking about who we're going to smack around. <laughs> but there's um, like ten other ten other questions. Yeah, yeah, we're we're never going to get to these. Um, <laughs> if there's one verse you could erase from everyone's Bible, what would it be, and why? I, I, I'll go. I'll say. Um, I would say. I'm not going to go with a verse. I'm going to go with the entire book of Revelation. <laughs> I like the book, but it's been used to create so much harm that I'll just I'll just cut out that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I think you saw my answer, man. Because honestly, that's that book has done more harm than good. I really think, unless yeah. people could could really, um, under, if you understand it, it's fine. I think there's actually some beautiful things in Revelation. If but if only if you really understand what it is doing and what it's not doing. It's not about the future. It's not about something that's going to happen uh, that we're waiting to happen. It's it's sort of a, it's a very massively, meta, you know, metaphorical allegory of how Christ subverts the empire uh if you get that then there's some amazing stuff in it but yeah you're right i think we'd be much better without that book yeah anybody anybody else have other answers i have one. okay I could... if katie's not if, no, go, ahead. Katie wants. go ahead katie oh i was like i go back and forth on revelation i love it love it hate it uh myself uh proverbs 31 verse from proverbs 31 i'll be fine again i don't need to be compared <laughs> to jewels i'm not like none of Every time I see a Proverbs 31 ministry, I'm just like, delete. 
Compare, comparing women to material objects and wealth not needed. Uh, yes. Well, if it were a single verse, it would be the poor will be with you always. That I think has been used as a as a complete Christian cop out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But if we're talking about books while we're here, because I'm in complete agreement with Revelation, pitch it and burn it with fire. Yeah. But my second choice would be Job. <laughs> wow. Matt's favorite book. Oh, really? Oh, piss off. Yeah. Yeah, I would completely shit can Job. <laughs> Shots fired. Shots fired. Whoop, whoop. So what's your problem with Job? What do you hate about Job? That that somehow it, it, it basically frames this discussion that somehow God will allow a known pervert to babysit his kid. And and that and that just no matter how you slice it, now I get it that there are some things that God talks about his sovereignty and, and you know in the end and you know gives um gives Job a good, you know, good shoulder check. But all in all, hard pass. But Katie's bouncing. Katie is bouncing. Yo, Katie, what do you got? The, well, it's interesting because I read I read Job a little differently. I read it as an indictment on God, not an indictment on Job. Personally, so another oh, another that episode. Too. That too. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you on that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um. I, so actually, I think I have other than Proverbs. Uh, my uh, I'm going to make Proverbs my honorable mention. I think the one that I would like actually absolutely take out is matthew 27 25 um when the crowd during jesus crucifixion says his blood be upon us and our children that one has had so many ramifications for Mm. uh, for the jewish people uh it's been it's incited anti-jewishness anti-semitism it's it's been the kind of scapegoat for christian horrificness um so that that would be my one actually just would delete and you know what i mean and we're, and we're pretty sure that that no one actually would have said that right that that was something put in by christians as sort of like um last Jewish yeah well it's, it definitely right? like, it's, it feels like it's such an editorial comment. yeah it fits, i mean it fits very well within the gospel of matthew but again like the book of revelation if you don't kind of have the whole if you're not going along with the journey you take it in isolation then it's a scapegoat to you know pers- persecute jews throughout history yeah, you know, can I? I want to. I want to. I want to also. I want to change my answer from Revelation because, Matt, if you take Revelation out, then it's already out. So, I, what I would like to take out are the pastoral epistles because there's no effing way Paul wrote those, and I think First and Second Timothy and Titus are like have done way more damage on sort of like the church yep. uses those books for hierarchy right. and control and authority over people to dominate people and control people, and I hate all that. I don't use them. I don't like them. That's also, by the way, the only place you have those verses, like all scripture is God breathed. I kind of get convinced that that's the only reason people want that book in the Bible, because it's the that's the only place you have a verse that says that. Um, but anyway, I, I would be so happy if those were just totally eliminated. But if nothing else, for the fact that Paul did not write them and then they came much later uh, and that they're very destructive, I think. So let's let's flip it around. What's everyone's like, favorite favorite verse? Is there one that uh, that's a go to for you, or that's um, empowering somehow? The entire book of Job. And why, <laughs> man? Why? Fuck off. <laughs> why, man? No, it's not necessarily empowering, but I'm going to pick it just because <laughs> I, I like to fuck with Derek. Um, no, I do like I like I don't like the theology necessarily in the book of Job, but I like the. 
um, kind of the realness of how scapegoating works in community and how even though we have the best of intentions, like we end up kind of becoming assholes to people. And I kind of like that the book of Job says, uh, no, it's not right when we're doing this. It's not right when we accuse others. And I almost see like the entire community playing the role of Satan. And I know the Satan's there at the start and a little bit at the end, but in like the 34 chapters in between, Satan's not there and the community is Satan. So I kind of like that honesty. Um, and, you know, with, with Job's suffering, they're just trying to answer why they're suffering in the world with God. So um, their their solution and their theology isn't great, I don't think, but I, I like the wrestling. Cool. God is love. That's a good one, too. Yes. That, that was a beautiful one. I, listen, I, that... What little theology remains in this vessel <laughs> hinges upon that that particular verse. Yeah, I mean, if if God is not love, if God is not love, humanity is completely and totally fucked. Yeah, yeah and I think because the entire, to me, the entire sentence, and it's in First John, right, where it says. God is love mm-hmm. and yep. First John yeah, God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Damn. I would like, you know what? I would pay serious money to make, to, if I could force every Southern Baptist pastor in America this coming Sunday to preach a sermon on that verse. You have to preach a sermon and that's your, that's your verse. Because no. I, I think half of them would resign. They couldn't do it. No, listen. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm happy with the direction they're going because they are on the path to self destruction, yeah. and I'm and I'm utterly delighted about it. I mean, it, it, at this point, I would say the clock is yeah. ticking. Ten years, yeah. ten years, and the SBC will not exist. It it can't it can't evolve past this. All right. So for me, it would definitely be Romans 838. You know, I'm convinced that neither powers nor principalities nor um, anything can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And one of the one of the reasons I love that is that, well, for sort of obvious reasons, even though I don't love the letter of Romans uh, all that much, but I like that one verse within it that I felt the palpable shock by mm. everyone. I don't do atonement theology that's all in Romans, but I like individual portions of it. And this is one because the ancient conception of sort of the the spheres that separated humans from the divine was where all these powers and principalities and angels and demons live, like on the seven spheres between us and God. And uh, I love it that Paul has this idea that those are those are nothing. Those are those are but nothing. Uh, with the stamp of the fingers, we are embraced in the love of God. So that's that's the part of Paul that I cherish. Wow. That's very interesting. I don't even know if I noticed that. Yeah. I kind of, I mean, I like Romans better now that I understand prosopopoeia and I get that Romans 11 is sort of the point. I think, who was I talking to that said that if Romans, if Romans ended at, at, at the end of chapter 11, that maybe people would get it because it would be like, it would just stop right there. And then you would go, Oh, Oh, that's, that's what it's about. Um, It's the fact that he keeps going that I think throws people off. But anyway, um, I I think my favorite verse is, <clears throat> it's tough. It's either the prodigal son. Uh, I think if Jesus only gave us the prodigal son story, it would probably be enough because it's just such a, a radical, 
picture of God as this loving father. He's not wrathful. He's, he's not looking for punishment. Um, you know, the only person in that story who wants punishment is the older brother. Uh, I just love that prodigal son parable. Um, but the other, the, the other one, if there's just a verse, um, I, I actually have it on a post-it note right above my desk. It's 2 Corinthians 5.19. For God was in Christ, not counting our sins against us, but reconciling the world to himself. I love that verse. I think, I think that verse should be, I, I wish that verse would replace John 3.16. I think that verse is so powerful. If we really understood what's being said in 2 Corinthians, I'm sure it's in the Bible. <laughs> if, if we understood the implications of what that book, what, what that verse is saying, um, man, I think it would change so much. So if we, if we move away from the Bible, what is one book that has changed your life? And it can't be the Bible. I have mine. Do it. Start with why by Simon Sinek. Yeah. I, that that book caused me to literally reevaluate my life because I've always been a very systematic and methodical kind of person. And so I would always start with with what or how. But if you understand why, why is what gets you out of bed in the morning? Why is what gets you back in the fight after you've been knocked down? Why is just, it, it's like the prime mover. And when I discovered this why, and for me, my why is to help people live their best fully formed, divinely human life. That's my why. This is why I get out of bed every day. This is why I do what I do. Because this is my my aim is to help people. It I saw this, it helped me, and I shared it with someone and it helped them and and so on and so on and so on. And that's and unfortunately, why if you don't really center on why, and this is this is where my drawback or my uh, failing comes into play, my human failing, is that when you don't really fall back into this why, you can easily become a bit of a dick. <laughs> and and that's, you know, so that, sometimes that happens. Yeah. That's, you know, I love that. I haven't read the book, but I've seen like the, I think, uh, video presentation that he gave. And I think it's amazing because it is, it's usually used for business, you know, businesses use it for, for like writing their mission statements or whatever. But I think the it's a beautiful circle. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful to apply it on a personal level because it really is. It really is pretty powerful stuff. I just I seriously just sitting while you were talking, Derek, I wrote down one, two, three, four, five, six books. I wrote down the titles of six books that I would say changed my life. So it's going to be tar- hard to pick one of them. But I guess I would say. Um, let's see. Um, all right. I'm going to say I saw Satan fall like lightning. Renee Girard. Um, it, cause it, it took me a while to get around to Girard. Can I be a dick? It's, 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 I see Satan fall like lightning. What the hell? 
no, no, no. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm talking about his other book. His other book, I Saw Satan. It's the sequel. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> it's very little known. It's a sequel. It's very, very hard to find. Very rare. I see. I saw. It's a very rare uh, book. It's uh, only no. in French. Anyway, the book uh, that Rene Girard wrote. Uh, yeah, I just think that because you know, when, when I first heard about Girard's theories, initially, I thought they were just nonsense. I just thought, well, what does some stupid like French literature professor know? What can they teach us about theology? Really? Come on. This is not. And, I, and to be fair, I think the people I initially heard Rene Girard's theories from didn't really know what they were talking about. They didn't really understand it. So when I heard them expressing it, I just thought, that's stupid. So when I actually read the book for myself, finally, and I understood what he was saying, then it was like, man, the light switch clicks. And it's like, I think this is genius. Probably one of the most radically uh, transformational books in Christian theology in a century. Easy. I just think it's phenomenal. So I, I love that book. Katie? I'm going to go way back to um, my uh, my childhood youth. My grandmother would, she bought books, and I'm not kidding, they were published by Guidepost magazine. Uh, and they were novelizations of biblical characters. And there's one author, I still have them in my garage, like many decades later, um, because I would uh, respond very well to the story. And I want to um, uphold sort of the power of narrative, the power of story um, to be very formative. So I would read, um, I think one of my favorites was a recounting of the life of Abigail. There was Hagar, there was Priscilla, there was Miriam. And uh, so the, the one on Priscilla kind of stands out. So I didn't know anything about her story. So I would read the novel and then I would go back to the biblical text. And I would read the biblical text and see how they were the same, how they were different. I was very pleased when I reread these about 10 years ago as an adult that they were not full of Christian nonsense, sex negativity, anti-Judaism. They actually held up. So this woman had actually really, really done her research in writing the novels, which I appreciate a lot. And lo and behold, what do I do today? I, I help create powerful narratives for people, um, help people create powerful narratives in their own lives and help them reconcile to scripture. So I feel like this kind of kick-started a good chunk of my life. So um, thank you to the late Lois T. Henderson, who wrote these novelizations of women in the Bible. Uh, Before we go on, I have got to speak on another book that changed my life. And that book is called Heretic. No, listen, 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 all jokes and all bullshit aside, honestly, that book really took me over the top. Because um, there were there were things that you you took very difficult concepts, made them very easy and digestible, and and you also introduced me to Girardian thinking, which I didn't really know anything about, and and that was just a, it was a, it it represented a significant growth or a significant period of spiritual growth in my life. It was more significant to me than Rob Bell, uh, Love Wins. I mean, that's how, I, so I just want to say that because when, when I read this, when I was reading the book, I was saying to myself, I really want to be this guy's friend. And here we are. And now I'm his friend. And, and this is so, so it's like, you know, major bromance wow. here. I'm just well I'm I'm honored that I can that I can make the uh that I can make the list um which you can get now on uh, on Kindle for 99 cents. Um 
Worth every, worth every penny. penny to quote <laughs> Keith Giles. <laughs> I think that's my favorite quote. That's got to be one of my favorites. Right, but, but that Keith Giles is pretty fucking <laughs> no, awesome no. too. Didn't I write? I wrote an endorsement quote for the bonfire session. Yeah, and I worked that into the into the endorsement. Yeah, quote. yeah, and then Ralph just put it in big bold letters, worth every penny on the top. <laughs> worth every penny. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my book, my book would be. Um, I'm glad you picked Gerard. I was thinking about that, but um, I'm going to go with. Living Buddha, Living Christ by Thich Nhat Hanh. And for me, it was one of those things. Oh, you've got it right there. Oh, I don't have that covered, though. Um, so, yeah, it was one of those books for me that really helped me understand the similarities between, I think, what a lot of Christians are saying and what a lot of Buddhists are saying with the acknowledgement that they're different and that's okay. And, but, but like, I think the point behind the mystics in both traditions, um, would be very, very similar and that there would be no difference between the way someone maybe like Richard Rohr would understand the Christ and with what a lot of Buddhists talk about in terms of like our true nature. And for me, that was really important to reconcile the two and just the writing is so simple and without being like suffering, but from too much brevity, but being really easy to digest. I love that book too. Yeah. It's really fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So that, that would be mine. Um, I guess we've got maybe just a couple more questions here. Um, and, and I'll ask the next one, I guess, uh, if you could get people to understand one thing about your spirituality, what would it be? Uh, about our individual spirituality. I suppose so. Interpret the question yeah. however you want, Keith. Okay. Well, I don't know. I guess I would, this isn't really necessarily probably an answer to the question, but I guess it, to me, <clears throat> it's more like we don't have to agree to have unity. And so kind of, so in other words, I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't really matter if you understand everything I believe and where I'm coming from um, or even agree with that because that's not necessary, right? It's more about yeah. accepting each other and loving each other for who we are regardless of our beliefs because my beliefs change all the time and they've changed they're different now than they were five years ago some things i believe i didn't believe six months ago and probably you know a year from now there's some other things that are going to change and uh, and i'm still me and so i need people who are going to stick with me uh, even though some of these things beliefs uh, and ideas might might change because they're going to uh, so i guess yeah that's that's what I would say. Well, for being a non-answer, that's a great answer, Keith. Oh, thank you. All right. <laughs> Katie, Derek, Matt. Something about your what is it? Your spirituality. Yeah. For me, I I think that for many years I was in bondage. That's the way I see it. And and somehow I managed to escape the plantation. I've seen the promised land. And so for me, when I say what I say and I do what I do, it isn't to be mean-spirited or that I'm bitter because I'm not. I just want people to be free. 
I, I want them to be able to be free in the expression of their thinking, in the expression of their being, in the expression of what they take in, and that they can do anything with one limitation that it harms no one. And and if we can get to the point where we are able to do exactly what we please, to do exactly what we will without causing harm to someone. And, and mind you, it's the difference between hurt and harm because I could say something you won't like and that may hurt you. But if I influence your income or influence your housing or influence your health, then I've done something to harm you. And and so I want to share with people the ability to think outside the box, to be free, to help others be free, and how to do it without harming another soul. Awesome. I think for me, um, it's that there's no separation of any part of myself. So I get asked a lot, are you spiritual or are you religious? Um, and I, I get where the question's coming from, but that's like asking me, am I human or am I a woman? I, there, there's not a big separation uh, for all of these components of me. They all make up who I am. And uh, it's not that I, I can't sort of uh, observe, observe myself and my spiritual journey. Um, but I, uh, again, uh, I think that sort of place of, of deep wounding that so many people experience because of like religion, whatever that word means, which I'm not even sure most of the time, um, people try to kind of put me in a box by calling me spiritual and not religious or by calling me religious, but not spiritual. Um, so that's just one example. But, you know, for me, it's that I see myself at least emerging into this unity, into this both and not either or. And, and that's what I want to encapsulate in the world. Um, and yeah, when I feel like all some, sometimes these questions are trying to sort of box me in a way that doesn't feel holistic to me and who I am and the kind of work I want to do in the world. So I, I can be both sort of uh, orthodox is not the right word. I can have parts of me that can be very, very conventional at the same time when I'm being very unconventional. And so I like all of those parts of me. They all feed me um, when I when I don't need them anymore than they go by the wayside that's okay uh katie you stole my answer in a way because my i was thinking like if i had to pick one thing it would be that it's like it's my spirituality is is integrative it it has to be practical it um there's no separation between my body and my spirit i'm i'm not gnostic in any sense like that i i think um you know we kind of some people have like elevated the spirit and demonized the body um, throughout Christianity. And I think that's done a lot of harm and has caused trauma. And, and so I, I try to take a, a more holistic approach and, and, you know, kind of, you know, to, like Richard Rohr would say, everything belongs, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah. it, we, let's not separate the two like that. And um, so, and and then kind of similar is that, if it's not practical and doesn't work and doesn't bring life, chuck it. Theology, philosophy, polit whatever it is, like and I think all those things are a part of the, you know, our spirituality. Like if it doesn't bring life and and if it brings harm and oppression and death, like get rid of it. 
Yep. Love it. Yeah, so we got one one okay. more. Who wants to ask it? Yes, I'll sir. ask it. What is something about yourself that you've never told anyone before? Or never told anyone personally or publicly? Well, can I go? Do I get a do I get a sure. drum roll producer? Producer in in, in yeah. the phone here. There we are. Oh no, he's got a real on it. He's, uh, he's playing it himself. Um well it, I'm not I'm not gonna take the literal literal approach to the question because I have told people. But for most of the listeners anyway, uh this would be news. I am not a straight man. I am bisexual. So So, so we got one of those on the podcast now. Whoa. Wow. So, uh, Matt, Ooh, this is a... Big reveal. Yeah, big reveal here. So, uh, when... Is this something... <laughs> let's use all the sound effects. Um, <laughs> yes, the entire board. Is this... <laughs> let's just hit every, every button. Um, so, Matt, I'm curious. Uh, is this something you've known... Did you know this for a long time and you only recently felt... Like you should say it, uh, you know, make, make the announcement, or is it something that over time you know, you've only recently sort of uh, come to this, you know, realization and you're making the, the announcement? Yes, um, it's one of those things <laughs> where um, elaborate. It's it's like yeah 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 I'll elaborate. Um, it's one of those things where you when you acknowledge it and when you know what it is and when you could point towards it. Then you look back and you're saying, oh, that's what all of that was. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, in the church, in the church, anything that is not heteronormative is completely demonized. And those are devilish thoughts or that's part of your total depravity. And right. so you push you push them away and you, and you, you say that's just part of, um, you know, the fact that Adam sinned and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it, it takes years and years to unpack that and to learn that human sexuality is on a spectrum um, for, for many, many people. Um, and it's just a part of that. And so it's been, it's been a recent, I guess, recent-ish uh, ability to put language to it and, and labels to it. But then looking back, it's like, oh, no, this is like a teenage thing. I mean, this has been there from my teenagers. Um I love the authenticity here, uh, Matt, and just kind of talking through the the process of uh, realization for you. Um, it might, I think it might be wise if we define bisexuality because there's a lot of misunderstanding sure. about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have a good, do you have a working? Well, I mean, uh, I could just speak personally because I think, um, I think, I think for me, it's just realizing that you're physically and sexually attracted to multiple genders and, and when I say spectrum, I mean that it, it, it's not something that's like, let's say gay is here and, and hetero is here on the zero to 100 spec, uh, you know, scale and, and bisexual is 50. You know, that's not, that's not how I understand it. It's, it's, um, and then there's, there's a difference between being romantically attracted to um, someone of the same gender or, or just physically. And so, like, I'm happily married. I've been married to a woman for 17 years. That's not going to change. Um, I just happen to be attracted to people of the ge same gender as well. 
And I couldn't even like put a percentage on it. It's just simply something that's always been the case for me. So I know other people may have a different experience when it comes to being attracted to multiple genders. And, um, and it doesn't mean that I'm confused. <laughs> yeah. So like no. myth, myth yeah, busting yes. here. Thank yeah. you. I'm, yeah. I'm going to ask the million dollar question because this is the one that people are going to ask. Not, not me personally, I don't care. But I'm going to ask the question. Bring it. Nevertheless, were you born this way or is this a conclusion that you came to a choice that you made? I don't know if I was necessarily born that way, but I would assume so. Um, It's not a choice that I've made. In fact, being in the church in a conservative, fundamentalist, evangelical worldview you really, really try hard to choose the opposite, right? You, choo- you, you try to choose every day, um, whether at Bible study or whether at prayer group or wherever you're making those choices, that you, you're like, make these feelings or make these desires go away because I want to be quote unquote normal. I want to, I want to be right. right with God. I don't want my total depraved nature to lead me down the road to perdition or whatever the fuck we think. Right. So, um, for the people who think that it's a choice that you make, no, the choice I made was to marry my wife and I'm happy about that choice, but the choice was never like to be not, or not to be attracted to certain people or certain genders or to be, or to be, it simply was as far as I, as far as I know. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I'm curious, Matt, I mean, did you, um, was it, was it ever any kind of a, so, you know, so personally, privately, you, you kind of come to this realization, okay, yeah, this is like you said, this kind of explains some things. This makes sense. This wasn't my depravity. This wasn't some evil, you know, sinful thoughts I was having. This is just, a, this was a natural, normal part of who I am. And so you came to terms with this and determined, you know, for yourself that you were by. So when you did that, um, was there any kind of struggle for you about should I, or shouldn't I make this public? And, and if I do, if I don't make it public, what will that, what are the implications of that? What are the consequences of that? In other words, if I just keep this to myself and I don't really tell anybody, or if I do announce it, what are the consequences of that? Cause I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm just trying to think if I was in your place, and I was suddenly going to make an announcement like that. Um, I would, I would probably go through those in those steps in my head and say, okay, if I if I don't say something, here's what it'll mean, and if I do say something, here's what it'll mean. And there's probably a list of sort of pros and cons. So, did you do any of that in your in a process? And, and what were those for you? Um, yeah, I mean, of course, you weigh like the pros and cons when when you have a decision like this, and and whether you're going to be public about it. Um, but I mean, you know me, Keith, I I've said a lot of things over the last five years. And so the people, (laughs) the people who have consigned me to hell (laughs) have already done so. And, and so it's, it's, it's almost to the point like where, I mean, I'm almost 40, you know, it's like, I don't, I mean, to one degree, I care what people think, but in another way, I really don't like if I care what certain people think. And I've learned that that's a, um, that's a thing you have to work through caring what certain individuals think. It's the people, I mean, I think, I don't remember who said it, 
Derek or Katie, I think, where it's like, if I'm not going to go f- to you for advice, like, I don't care what your critique of, of me is. Okay, that's, that's that, it sounded like Derek. Um, but it, it, it's like, that's where I'm at. But it's, it's Katie. It's, yeah, that's why I wasn't sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure. So that's where it's like, if, if the people who are going to judge, the people who are going to, they've already done so in some other way. Like, and so this is just like one more thing for people to um, either judge or worry about, but it's not for me to worry about. It's not for, I mean, it's the people who I know I could trust, the people who I know got my back, like they're already going to support me. And I know that hundred percent. And, and the people that aren't like, like go in peace. That's the nicest way I can say fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, you know, I love the the myth busting you did, right? This is not about being confused. Yes. And there there's a lot of by erasure even in uh in the yeah. LGBTQI right. community too. So it's like even within that community, it's there's kind of some dismissal uh, of bisexuality as a sexual orientation. Um so uh, thanks for kind of engaging some of your process with us and with listeners. I think it's just Im- immensely valuable. So what what has this process of coming out been like for you um i mean it hasn't been like super stressful i I mean you hear horror stories of people um and and my heart goes out to them because you know i mean if they come out as like a you know if they're gay or whatever and they're kids and they live at home and they're still embedded in the church like there's some horrible horrible stories but it's been none of that for me i mean it's simply i mean i'm 38 like I mean, the first person I told um, was actually Mike Machuga, my best friend, to kind of um, gain advice on how to communicate it, um, like to my wife and all that kind of stuff. And I spoke with her and we've had long conversations since. And um, everyone's been actually pretty supportive and um there for me, even people who might not be 100% affirming, you know, people in family. Um, so it's really been pretty chill. I mean, and, and I imagine our listeners, for the most part, will either not care or be supportive. Um, well, yeah, one thing I, I heard that um, just resonated uh, resonated with me was that you, you took this at your own totally. pace. Right? And like, there, there's, there's no one... No, uh, that's right, right, or about this. Right. So you you did what was right for you, it's right? This you. is my, yeah, ex- exactly. This is my experience of what this is, and other people will have entirely different experiences and processes and way of going about it. And so it's been like, I mean, you have so much baggage for a lot of us in the church, so it takes a long time to wrestle through what all these things mean, and they don't do a good job with teaching sexuality. <laughs> I mean. Um, that that that's like a light way of saying they do a terrible job of of it typically and um the church i grew up in did a tip a very poor job of understanding human sexuality and so it it is a lot of learning and just observing yourself and and then just being honest with what that is like this is what this is it's not going away so how do I, and then, then, then the question comes, how do I communicate it? How do I explain it? Oh, well, I better learn first. I better educate myself. And then, you know, so just taking it. Yeah. Like you said, at your own pace, 
because I, I mean, I'm a classic overthinker anyway. And if I say stuff, I want it to be researched and I want to understand it and I want to have put words to it and I want to communicate it and articulate it. So it, those, and those things take time. So Matt, I'm curious, did, um, and I hope, I hope this is, <laughs> there's a positive answer to this question. Did, when you did talk to your friends and family, did, were there any negative reactions that you didn't expect? Uh, no, not, not thus far. Now there are, there are, <laughs> <laughs> because of how like our deconstruction has gone, um, there are a lot of people who will find out after this lovely little show gets released. And <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so I actually, yeah. if I if I could um, <laughs> if I could name drop a uh, an, a a nice young man named Ralph Palendo, I um, he said um, when I told him, like what some people do is they have concentric rings of trust and they tell so. I told people I knew 100% that I could trust through and through. And now it's getting to the biggest concentric ring, I guess. And um, so we'll see what happens. The world, the world, yes, the big bad world. The world. Um, and so, I mean, we'll see what happens after this. But um, like I said, like the people that I care about their opinion are only going to be supportive. And the people who aren't going to be supportive, I literally don't care about their opinion. Oh my God, who the hell cash <laughs> if this was 20 years ago would could that be a different i'm sure story? it would i'm sure in 20 years from now it'll be an yeah. entirely different story and maybe right. i mean hopefully eventually it's literally just like when people know this about themselves they're just like oh hey you're like mom and dad by the way like i'm just this is how and, and then it's like oh cool all right <laughs> like that'd be great like the you know we we shouldn't have to i mean that's not when we don't have to come right, out. Right, right. I mean, like, and I don't mean that to diminish someone's sexuality and identity in any way, but just so we don't have to, so people don't have to fight for things. You know what I mean? So it just is what it is, and we're all accepting. Yeah. So, you know, it would just be wonderful if we could reach a place where it wasn't so painful and stressful and people didn't have so much anxiety about having to tell their parents or their best friend or their spouse uh, their sexuality. I, I look forward to that day. It's, it's, we're still at this place, though, where um, people just aren't safe. They don't feel safe and they don't feel sure about it. But um, yeah, Matt, I, I'm just really blessed that you you shared this with us and that you came to us privately first and you know you, you could trust us. And, you, know, you know we love you. We got your back. Um, and I think it's great because I think you're coming out and saying this and identifying this way. I think it will give so many other people permission Um to kind of do their own, you know, announcement and, and, and feel that, Hey, if, if Matt can do this, I can do this. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, thank you for being who you guys are. And like, I had no qualms about telling you and I knew everyone here would support me. And so I, I appreciate that. And, and for the listeners who do, um, you know, if you have honest, honest, curious questions, like feel free to ask ask them we do have a hotline uh that's not my announcement today but um we do have a hotline and um you do have, have the number that derek has given you um you can call that i mean you can hit me up on on socials like it, i'm not going to defend myself um so any any accusatory things any gotcha questions any biblical proof texts like <laughs> I, <laughs> like i ain't no. dealing with that shit but you know i mean I, it'll give me a good laugh so whatever, but, um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like if you do have, you know, if you're listening and you're like, Hey, I have questions, like I am, 
I try to be as open as I can and um, available online. So, um, yeah. I got your biblical proof test right here. That's David. Like uh, clear attraction go. to Jonathan, clear attraction to Mikhail, and uh, many other wives. So there you go. There you go. Um, you know, it's occurring to me that um, some people might be also having some kind of aha moments of themselves or sort of questions. And so one one helpful resource for um, everyone is the GLAAD website and it's G-L-A-A-D. There's two A's, G-L-A-A-D.org. Um, tons of resources and information. And, and most likely you have a local LGBTQI community center that can also provide resources and be helpful. So just want to pass that along for anyone that's uh, feeling the nudge. Yeah, totally. And um, have I told you also that we have a website? And on our website, heretichappyhour.com, we have a bookstore. So if you've listened to episodes, and I'm sure you have because you've made it to 100 here, uh, we've got a lot of great guests, our Heretics of the Weeks. So they've written a lot of great books. And we've got a lot of them for a decent price that's about 15% off retail. If you go to heretichappyhour.com, check out the bookstore there and uh, have yourself a lovely shop fest. If you want to ask Matt some of those questions that he said you can ask, as long as you're nice, respectful, and don't ask for biblical proof text, join Heresy After Hours, our free Facebook group for everyone that's experiencing deconstruction and reconstruction. Um, we have a great supportive community there. We also have an exclusive private Facebook group uh, for people who are our pa- in our patron community. And if you like this podcast, go up to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. And you can also give us a call on our hotline at 240-343-7379. But if you don't give us a five-star rating, the ghost of Ipmon will come and wing chun your ass. Everybody wing chun. Do we forget anything? Did we cover it all? Uh, I was. I think I forgot to mention Patreon. So oh we want to say thank you to all of our Patreon yes. supporters. You are awesome. You rock. We love giving extra bonus stuff for you guys. Thank you, all of you who support us from the $2 level to the $100 level and everything in between. And if you don't support us, you know what? You really should pray about that. And you know what? God just gave me a word for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Yes, Lord. Yes. God is telling me that he wants you to go and support us on Patreon. Yes, God. I hear that. Thank you. Yes. And so you should go do that right away. Thanks. My, this is my man, Keith Copeland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was and, say. Uh, <laughs> you'll be glad you, you got did. that Lord just prayer just right there. There you go. Lord just. Lord, I just want to. Just. Just. I just, I just, yes.